0: Welcome back to another episode of She's Busy AF. Got a different one for you today, and it's all about origin stories. Okay, what the heck is an origin story? I'm just going to dive right into this. But origin stories are what define the narrative of a brand. Like, why is it that the brand came to be? How did it come to be? I think some, like, mission, vision, values is wrapped up into all of this. But really, it's the story of the coming to life of a brand. Fun fact, there are a lot of brands out there who have falsified their origin stories for marketing purposes. Wow, who would have thunk? So this episode is dedicated to uh, some research I did. (laughs) And this was totally inspired by a conversation I had with my brand designer, business partner, and good friend Danielle from Yak Creative. And this conversation stemmed from Victoria's Secret's documentary that was put out on Hulu. I think it was like the rise and fall of so-and-so, angels and demons. I don't know, whatever it was. I watched a few episodes. I didn't get like all the way through it. It might only be a few episodes. I think I watched one and a half if I'm being transparent here. Yeah, I needed something a little more uplifting. It was starting to get real dark there. But this topic really came from that because in this situation of a documentary, they told the brand origin story. And if you're not familiar, I'm going to kind of debrief that one here. So that brand was marketed, advertised, and sold to us, the general public, whatever you want to call it, as a brand where women would go to shop for themselves first and then the men second. So meaning like putting yourself first, putting on these clothes and buying these clothes because it makes you feel sexy, not because you're doing it for a man. And this is like making me think back to like when I bought these. Yeah, I definitely bought clothes for comfort. Like sorry to any dudes listening to this, but like I bought the lace thongs because I liked the way the lace laid on my hips. And also I didn't like the underwear showed in like pant lining and I wore tight pants. Whatever. I kind of still do that, but that was like exclusively for a very long time where I would buy my underwear until I found out that like Ari had something similar. So I would say I bought into that story. Like I bought for myself, not really for like Someone was going to strip my clothes off. What were they going to find? Like, (laughs) not why I shopped at Victoria's Secret. Also, I didn't know where else to go to find bras and underwear. I truly didn't. Like, they killed it with my generation. The true origin story is not that. This brand was created because the original founder, I don't know his name, it was like Raymond something, he was uncomfortable shopping for his wife when it came to lingerie. So, he wanted to create a brand where men would be more comfortable shopping for their wives. And like in the research I did, I found that mostly men shop at Victoria's Secret. And it's ringing a bell now that I like think about it. I've definitely seen men in there like picking stuff out for their wives. And oh my gosh, guys, when I was doing this research, the things things that they show, and if you're a former Victoria's Secret employee, hit me up because I'd love to hear the stories too. But like one of the stories I read was something about how a man would come in and then like zoom in on his wife's boobs and be like, I need something that's gonna fit this and look really good. Are you kidding me? So anyways, origin story that's totally falsified is that it was a major point of controversy. If you haven't watched the documentary, I highly recommend you do so. Super, super interesting. And obviously, it got me on this train of thought of like, what other brand origin stories aren't entirely true? So this episode, obviously, off the beaten path a little from the typical strategy-packed episodes. This is more just like drama (laughs) <laughs> and I really just wanted to shoot the shit about some brands that you may know really well and what their origin stories actually are. So first one up is going to be YouTube. So as the story goes, the founders who are Steve Chen and Chad Hurley recorded a video of a dinner party in 2005 and wanted to show the clips online, but they had no idea where to post them. So that's where the idea for YouTube was born. Well, that's not how it actually went. This was uh, debunked in 2006 in an article on Time magazine where they said the third co-founder, Jawed Karim, suggested the party never actually took place. And Chen admitted that the story was probably very strengthened by marketing ideas around creating a story that was very digestible. So... There's that. (laughs) Wah, wah, wah. Like that one's just kind of whatever. But next we have Tinder. So apparently there were a lot of legal troubles at the beginning days of Tinder. Haven't really looked too much into them, but there were. You could look them up. And the popular version of this story tells us that Tinder started in Los Angeles in 2012 as an entrepreneurial venture between co-founders Sean Radd and Justin Mateen. Leaving aside that we rarely heard about out third co-founder, Whitney Woof until she sued the company for sexual harassment, a 2014 Bloomberg Businessweek article suggests that Tinder wasn't much of a startup at all. Hmm. Okay, so this is what that article said. What I found was a meteoric startup, wasn't really a startup, owing to the fact that Tender was born in an IAC incubator and... IAC owned and controlled the company. Rad and Mateen seemed to be playing make-believe in a lot of ways. They were keen to hide the IAC arrangement, saying like they're sort of our partner in this, and pretend that they were living the dream of being wined and dined by Silicon Valley money men saying, we are being bombarded by venture capitalists. It's very overwhelming. And then in this article, it said, when I talked to their minders at IAC and the incubator executives were often dismissive of the two youngsters, happy to let them spin grand visions and soak up founder acclaim while telling grown-ups, for example, Wall Street analysts and investors, that Tinder was simply a lure to get millennials to pay later in life for IAC's profitable dating service, Match.com. So that's an interesting one. (laughs) Funny about Tinder. Finally, the last one here is going to be Google. So this is the classic started in my garage story. (laughs) So like Apple, Google founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin hatched Google in a garage, but like they didn't. So Page and Brin did rent a Menlo Park, California garage, but only after Google was already two years old and already had a million dollars in startup capital. Turns out the house was owned by Susan Wajikiki. I can't say that name right, which is really, really tragic because the CEO, that's the CEO's last name. So that was owned by Susan, who rented the garage to help pay her mortgage. Wajiki, who knew Bren through mutual acquaintance, was later hired at Google and now serves as the CEO of YouTube. Cool. Google bought the 1900 square foot home from Wajiki in 2006. Sometimes the truth is pretty cool too, I guess. So not totally like an origin story that pisses you off. But there you have it. These are a couple of like the big names and it kind of makes you second guess the other brand origin stories a little bit, you know, like other brand origin stories that are out there <coughs> even some in the online space just say. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's why there's stories. Sometimes you have to embellish to sell your story and if that's ethical or not, I'll let you decide. So ultimately, how does this make you feel about what you thought you knew about brands? I'd love to know. Hit me up on Instagram and bring a time and let me know if you know of any other origin stories that aren't entirely true. I'd love to hear those too. Maybe I'll share them in the Toastworthy newsletter. And if you don't know what Toastworthy is, let's talk real quick. So Toastworthy is our Friday newsletter where we serve up content that's just intended to make you laugh, reflect, feel like you're not alone in the business woes and life woes that are common. So really, I share just things that have happened in the last week. Like one of the sections is zero days without accident. Here are all the things I broke this week. There's another section about business fails because I just feel like sharing those things is important. We're not all perfect. I literally share client fails every week. (laughs) It happens every week. And this is why, you know, this is why I do it because we're not perfect and here to show you that. So If you're interested in signing up for that newsletter, I guess I should finish telling you more about what's in it. So at the end of the newsletter is I always do like a meme or just something that I saw like in a Facebook ad or something that just was like, "Mm, that doesn't sit quite right. So it's marketing humor and I love that section. And at the very end, it's called the PS line. And I say in there like, don't read that till Monday. And basically, it is a thing you can come back to Monday when you're rested and recharged from the weekend if you're the type of person who takes time off (laughs) and come back and learn a new piece of strategy or something that's going to help you out in your business in that week. So if you're interested at all, you can sign up at the link in my show notes. It's called Toastworthy. It's a dang good time. And thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Till next week. I will see you on the next episode.